Welcome, one and all, to Picard, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Star Trek universe. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Bonsoir, Pete. Bonsoir, Matt. Bonsoir, everybody. Here today to bring you our preview of Star Trek Picard Season 2, streaming a little over a week from now. We'll have two live action Star Trek episodes on the same day, Matt, for the first time in 23 years. Now, Pete, you may have thought that uh, in a couple of months, you also would be seeing Patrick Stewart at the movies, uh, something that we talked about in our Discovery podcast just a couple days ago. But Pete, uh, in an exclusive quote to comicbook.com, Patrick Stewart uh, has said this regarding the uh, unquestionable presence of Patrick Stewart's Professor X in the uh, latest preview for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Here's what SPS had to say. You know, people have been imitating my voice ever since I came on the stage 60 years ago, so I can't be held responsible for that. Close quote. Pete, wither thee, uh, Professor Xavier? That's an interesting way around the non-disclosure agreement and uh, the phenomenon now being called werewolfing after, um, you know, Andrew Garfield was uh, basically harassed for the better part of a year you're in spider-man uh three you're in spider-man uh no way home now that has a name right no i'm not no i'm not no i'm not surprised i am yeah he he can't talk about it and that's fine all right this this is the latest version of uh i'm not in it somebody faked my voice (laughs) uh yeah somebody faked his voice and put it by the outline of a bald guy in a seated yeah. position I mean, but it's not mcavoy all right let, let let's stop with that They're not doing mcavoy's body with uh sir patrick's voice okay it's him there's I, I was stunned they put it in the marketing there's even more cameos coming uh roll on may now well pete from may to march uh as we look down the barrel here of picard season two part of the joy for me in in rewatching Picard season one uh, in the last uh, oh, month or so has been a little bit of a reassessment uh, for the series on my part. And, and I know I used this. You were told on it. I have to say early on and yeah, I'm, I'm glad you finally seen the light. Well, I know I used this metaphor while we were in the middle of the season, but it really took a rewatch to kind of, to kind of really live the metaphor, which is this. I was having a hard time understanding how my dad, my Star Trek dad, Jean-Luc Picard, uh, had his Enterprise family, and now we were uh, showing the doctor from his Stargazer family, which I guess I kind of knew he had a family before our family, but okay, fine. He loves us uh, completely. And then the notion that there was life kind of after that. Um, Me as somebody who's, you know, lived in the same county my whole life, and somebody who's uh, you know, worked the same job in my professional career and and all of that. So I think just getting my head wrapped around the notion that it is okay for my Star Trek dad, Jean-Luc Picard, to have had his time on the Enterprise, to have moved up in rank, to have moved on, and, you know, narratively we're kind of thrown into the, the deep end 
um, ostensibly uh, at the start of the, the first season of Picard in that, look, new adventure, and now we have catch-up, and we have stuff from 17 years ago and flashback and all of that. But, you know, uh, Pete, I think part of... <laughs> surprisingly pete some of my negative fan reaction may have been more about me than it was about the show itself um i do think there were moments that for me went a bit too uh a bit too dark or a bit too austere and the fact that they're gonna have fun with you know dress up and go to an alternate past sort of thing i'm i'm as excited as i ever have been to see sps and crew return it was such a bright spot and this was before the pandemic fully took hold. Um, I remember waking up every Thursday because they had finally gone to the, you know, uh, midnight Pacific drop model. Um, I believe it was for Picard the very first time. And I watched all of those super early in the morning. And then when we were in lockdown, it was like a real big thing to look forward to. Um, yeah, I just, I, I thought it was a pitch perfect beginning. Um, and I'm really, really looking forward to more of it. Not that I don't look forward to discovery. I just don't think that this season of, discovery season four has has been on the level of some of their better stuff but again they've got a couple left and they can still stick in the landing um and you know we're at just the very beginning point of this massive run of all this live action star trek that's going to take us straight through july matt you know two episodes of of star trek a week in the next couple weeks like you know, that's a whole thing. I'm going to wind up running a poll on Twitter. Which one do you watch first? Oh, well, I know for me, like I've said on the Discovery podcast, in order to just keep, <laughs> in order to get, just keep track of things, I'm going to do Discovery first, then Picard second, because that will be the order that we podcast it in. Just that way I can be like, right, on Thursday, I had Chili and Picard and Gerardi you know, were had a shootout by the fountain. And, and this way I'm not mixing <laughs> things up in my, in my fictional life and my real life and all of that. Um, I will say, and Pete, I'm going to speak carefully here because of course I, here in the real world, I would never wish anyone, you know, like not working on the next season of a job or that sort of thing. But something else that struck me in the rewatch was um, Harry Treadaway's Narek, uh, I felt like was that was on one wavelength and everybody else was on another. Um, coincidentally, he's the, what's that? You took the words out of my mouth. And I, I think that kind of, you know, translates to obviously no inclusion for season two and not even the wrap up of, and he went to Federation jail or anything like he was a, means to an end character that they fully never even saw uh through um so i get it and i think he he worked better early on than than later um but clearly it was to get uh uh soji to where she needed to be add to that you know so everyone else is back gerardi uh you know, Soji, Rafi, Rios, Elnor, 
Um, something seven else. Seven of nine. We're getting an entire season of seven of nine. Yeah. <laughs> Narek versus seven of nine. Yeah. Hmm, I think it's, 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 yeah. Let me see here. We're getting more Brent Spiner. Uh, we have Guinan. Like we we have Q. Yeah, I mean, sorry, they can, Narek. They can they can go to a a level now, um, and then you throw in the time travel, and then you layer Q on top of it, and then you've got the Borg, um, you know, and a friendly face uh, we've seen from uh, the Marvel Universe podcasting over there with Runaways, um, and yeah, just so so psyched get this get this one going man ready to watch it tonight yeah um and this also this second season also two episodes heat directed by leah thompson that's right back to the future right yeah absolutely (laughs) um uh freaks will be back for multiple episodes um and as director not acting or do we know um i was i was speaking purely from the direction point of view, but not for nothing, Pete. <laughs> I feel like if there's anybody who can direct Jonathan Frakes playing Riker, it might be Jonathan Frakes directing Jonathan Frakes playing Riker. Um, you know, there's the opportunity there. Even, I mean, joking aside, even if you want to have Riker show up like in an episode the Frakes didn't direct or in a scene the Frakes didn't direct, I think there's there's that possibility there. I mean, I, I wonder too, is that, with all of these people confirmed to return, is it more TNG, more of a TNG presence at some point? Is that our cherry on the top at the at the I, end of the I season? Between the next two seasons, at some point, we will catch up with all of our old friends, our family, as you mentioned before. Like that would seem requisite. Don't let it overshadow the show you know and and this new crew i've really enjoyed isabrinones um you know we go way back with santiago cabrera matt um i love the character of elnor my my favorite episode of the first season of picard was the one in which he was introduced and and we got the um the romulan warrior nun uh, you know, backstory that now has been featured on two of the shows and I think is has been a really cool wrinkle uh, brought into the Star Trek universe. Michelle Hurd is is just tremendous. Um, you know, what a what a spokesperson, what a what an eloquent uh, lady in terms of what she brings, her social activism. And, you know, obviously the, the performance aspect meeting up with that um, and that they're setting this so close to our current time. I was reading an interview today with Akiva Goldsman and, you know, he was asked about the pandemic and the time frame of 2024. And he said, well, we, we don't we don't acknowledge it, but we don't ignore it, um, which I thought was really interesting. Uh, that's um, probably a Pete message from the future. Uh, it's because we see people maybe still masking at that point. Maybe that's their way of saying, you know, yeah. I, I don't know, something like that. Yeah, but I, given the product they turned out in the in the first season, and you know the the commitment to, you know, in a in a smaller time frame, tell this 
story beginning middle and end and we're in the middle act here with the second season um i i just i find myself so delighted having this in front of us um you know for the next 10 weeks when you consider this week uh so a, a week from uh from thursday be waking up super early and uh i will be watching this one i mean provided discovery doesn't tease us next week in piloting the dma is james tiberius kirk <laughs> uh you had referenced the elnor uh intro for the first season um I would say too that was an indicator. In, in retrospect, that was a bit of an indicator for me uh, as to the plan that Chabon and company had, just in terms of this arc for Picard. In that Elnor is essentially saying, "Picard, you were my Star Trek dad, and you abandoned me, and you didn't finish the mission." And it kind of was like, I think again at the time it was like, "Stop saying that Picard uh, ever did anything wrong because he didn't." And you know, no, it's. It's it's having this cat the first season and I'm assuming to a certain degree seasons two and three it's having this character towards the end of his life and yes now he's a not ageless but a quasi ageless uh, automaton body and so forth but just this notion of this show really is uh, underpinned by the notion that Picard later in life is looking back at the things he was not able to accomplish um, and how much that will translate into season two i don't know because i really really do think they must have loved that you know the stardust city rag episode and the dress up go on a mission thing and that must in my thinking that must have informed what at least what i'm expecting out of this season and that much of it is going to be they go on a mission and play dress up and oh we're all bad 2024 people um but again just to return this to the central theme of they really did have an arc for the first season. We can we can trust better now that they have an arc for the second season and presumably an arc for all, you know, not just the third season, but the, the whole series as a whole. The humanization, further humanization, it was always humanized of Jean-Luc Picard. And then, you know, you add seven of nine to that and her increased involvement a fan favorite getting some more of that you, you mentioned that stardust city rag episode the one where she pops up uh to to fully you know get at her story what has she been up with the fenris uh was it fenris rangers fennec i'm getting fennec shand <laughs> uh in, in my brain from book of boba fett um but yeah i i just think they very carefully considered that stuff. It, I don't think it was as bad as, you know, people tried to make it out that you destroyed my Picard, that you've destroyed the idea of seven of nine because they had another guy play each and they had him die. Like there really wasn't a lot to pursue there. And again, it was to move character forward. Um, I tell you what I'm really looking forward to um, with this season is more Orla Brady as well, the actress who played Laris in uh, season one, seeing some more of that. And then the things we don't fully know about yet, although there's been some 
hints at some non-Trek cameos uh, towards the end of season two. That's all I'll say mm. as spoiler Pete here. It, it certainly, it, it certainly is interesting to kind of mentally embark um, early on this 10 episode journey. Um, again, no, you know, no um, question that there'll be this go back into whether it's meant to be the main Star Trek timeline or is it the infancy of the mirror timeline or, or is it another timeline entirely? Is it all a dream? Um, but to, to do that, you know, part of my question is, are we there at the end of the first episode and do we return to the 24th slash 25th century, you know, at the second half of the last episode, you know, you know how much, how much is this season about, or, or dealing directly with that versus how much is set up, how much is, you know, how much is, you know, surprise, they've come back and now need to deal with the consequences and so forth. I, I think with a 10 episode season, I mean, on the one hand, I feel like you can kind of bet after two, three episodes, you can kind of better anticipate the arc of things, but that's not to say that they have to, you know, that that arc has to be a predictor, uh, let alone, you know, surprise, nobody saw coming that the second half of season two was, you know, blank. It was the underwater part of the season or whatever it might be. With Q returning and, you know, John Delancey's involvement and everything that means to have him back to interact with Picard, it was a foregone conclusion in my mind the minute they changed the nature of Jean-Luc Picard at the end of the first season that now we'd have to have those characters meet and what that all means. And then obviously because of the nature of Q, it's on the table to change that. Um, So I'm interested to see how that transpires as well. I'll just mention Pete. I know it's uh, my goodness. I, because of the COVID pause in production here, I think of when when season two was a whisper, when season two was a dream, when the anti-Star Trek voices were louder on social media and YouTube and so forth. And you wondered, well, maybe they're, maybe they're right. Um, I remember early on there was proof that um, there was proof uh, that California was giving a tax credit. I think they had for the first season as well. But, but Pete, a long way of mentioning with this season now in the books, uh, a whopping $20.4 million uh, of tax credits given by the California Film Commission, uh, commission to have uh, this second season film in California. So uh, a thank you to the taxpayers of California for helping make this season possible. Maybe, Pete, that's how we were able to afford uh, a Jerry Ryan and Orla Brady and so forth as part of the main cast. Yeah, and to consider now that um, Patrick Stewart, by the time we've seen season three, will have produced 10 seasons of TV as the character and uh, Star Trek Generations, First Contact, Insurrection, and uh, Nemesis and four movies. So... You know, to to say that he'd have anything left, really, uh, as the character, I, I think it'd be a lot. Um, and what a blessing that he's given us as the fans, a, a character I don't think we ever really expected him to return to, as he may be returning to a character yet again after not returning to it before. 
Pete, uh, do you think that for uh, the uh, announced, though unwritten and uncast, uh, Star Trek Kelvin 4, um, can it be Star Trek Kelvin 4 colon No Way Home? Do we get Picard back for a fifth movie in which he teams up with uh, de-aged Kirk and uh, and Chris Pine Kirk to battle the squid monster? What more do they have to dangle in front of him they made him a producer on this series uh michael i want a dog and i want it to be a pit bull they they did that there's there's nothing more for him to really ask for he's not interested in directing at this point in his career and life um he he's he's done it all and i think this gives him the opportunity to fully go out as the character as he would have wanted to and not in the low rent uh wrath of khan remake that we saw in theaters some people saw in theaters in 2002. Uh, pete i'll mention for this season of starship picard uh akiva goldsman who was the showrunner uh, for the first season uh, is joined by co-showrunner Terry Madalis. Uh, he, who has some Star Trek in his background, also having been a, a good CBS guy, showrunner and MacGyver uh, and things of that sort. Um, yeah, Madalis uh, had started his writing career with uh, Voyager and Enterprise. Uh, so a little bit of a, a little bit of a switch there. I, Pete, I feel like in he's my family, bones, though, he's, he's yeah. done a lot of Star Trek. He's, he's been around it. Um, and I, I think, you know, paying super close attention to his social media as he's done the third season, you know, it's evident and he's discussed that he's a Star Trek movie guy, that that's how he came to it, which is very much like myself. And there seemed to be a lot of nods to that in, in the yet unglimpsed third season. Um, but I think he's a guy we can really trust. Not that you couldn't trust. Michael Chabon and you know here you're talking about a, a Pulitzer Prize winning novelist and somebody that I think made the transition to Star Trek TV flawlessly yeah and I may have misspoken so let me just affirm what you said Pete uh season one was show run by the by the uh Pulitzer Prize winning Michael Chabon uh, and then season two is being co-show run by the merely Oscar winning Akiva Goldsman and Terry Madalis. Um, So, I mean, an embarrassment of riches here, you know, Chabon's still involved in the production. Uh, he had, he's been working on some of his other uh, properties being adapted for TV and so forth. So I wasn't aware he was involved in this. So that's, that to me is, is good news. Yeah. I think, I mean, perhaps only as a producer or, or, or to, to some degree like that, but I mean, <laughs> To have to have Madalus, you know, part of the Star Trek family from way back when, to have Goldsman with his recent involvement and his his storied history. Okay, he wrote Batman and Robin. Guess what? Everybody makes everybody makes mistakes. That doesn't take away his Oscar. Um, yeah, he, he wrote Fringe, and you know, if anybody who's listening hasn't watched Fringe, go watch some Fringe, and then you know you can recognize the guy knows what he's doing. Um, so, you know, all of this under the, uh, under the auspices of, uh, of, um, Alex Kurtzman and all that, you know, Pete, we're, we're at the newest golden age of Star Trek here. Um, 
hopefully there's this amount of output and this amount of quality for many years to come. Uh, I guess time will tell, but we'll start with, uh, you know, the end of this season of Discovery and then the beginning of this season of Picard, uh, the adventure for both of which continues, as you said, uh, you know, in the next week or so. My biggest worry is that we're going to kind of become numb to Star Trek with all of this so soon, all at once. Um, and gosh, I really hope that's not the case. I mean, we haven't seen any, we've seen very little moving images of, uh, you know, strange new worlds. Um, and they're taking down still images, uh, still on social media, but you know, that looks to be really special. These 10 episodes now for, each of the live action series pretty much being the rule. And I think that ups the value. But like I said, I'm just a little worried they're all going to come too soon. And we're going to kind of be like, oh, just another another week, another episode of Star Trek. Whereas, you know, the I, I say this with uh, tongue in cheek, the heavy hitters of, you know, Marvel and uh, Star Wars over on Disney Plus that space it out a little bit more and obviously are a little bit more popular because of the accessibility of not being a 56-year-old franchise. I think, too, I mean, so, some of the Star Trek glut running from, what, November to July in terms of, uh, you know, so much new content, some of that is necessity driven in terms of you know name the other high profile things on paramount plus it's it is as of yet still difficult although i'm looking forward to the uh the godfather live action thing uh, dude halo end of the month end of march for halo is is going to be worth checking out um i think you know disney plus was also in a position where it's like oh you know uh, the pandemic comes all right wandavision is you know, two thirds done. Falcon, the winter soldier is a half done, you know, when you re point being, you know, and so forth. So when you restart production, um, it's like, Hey, here's the path towards getting content ASAP versus what all, all of this year of star Trek, this season of discovery, this season of Picard, this season of strange new worlds. None of that was in production. I believe when the lockdown started. So, you know, there, there was no, how many eggs do you have in the basket kind of thing? So of course there's been a hurry up and of course now it's shuffled all around. I will say this though, Pete, I feel like insofar as discovery is exploring the, the, the far off future kind of with, with um, let's say without the constraints of the familiar Star Trek universe in terms of like, well, here's what fits into the timeline. That's kind of one razzle dazzle of Star Trek. The notion that we are returning in Picard to the, familiar not familiar 24th 25th century right on that bubble and then we're going to go to modern times with the star trek twist you know 2024 um i feel like that's that'll be different enough so it'll be like oh man meanwhile on discovery they're dealing with a new a new you know zip zop ray and in picard uh who can drive a car you know like <laughs> it's just it, it it's, it'll be different kinds of storytelling tools and then for strange new worlds it'll be the familiar but not familiar you know new old look 23rd century kind of thing also with that new old look at serialized storytelling um which i'm not expecting out of picard at all i'm expecting just you know 
give us something exciting at the end of one week so we want to tune in the next week. Other than that, it's a big 10-hour movie. Hopefully the differences are enough so that we're not feeling tired of Trek when we get to the July 7th Strange New Worlds episode 110 season finale. Well, whatever they throw at us, Matt, we will be in the driver's seat here bringing it to all our listeners. And that comes courtesy of the people who go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Indeed, Pete, whether we are in this time or the old timey time, this universe, the mirror universe, another mirror universe, <laughs> um, which sometimes it feels like the two are combining, but I digress. Every universe uh, we are in every universe. We are powered by those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek, keeping us listeners supported. And we are so grateful for that. Get yourself over there. It takes just a dollar a month to get you behind that door. Uh, all sorts of things to check out behind it. Can't contribute right now. Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Picard uh, feed in particular. Throw us a, a a review in seconds uh get us trending on there help people find us as this second season gets ready to kick off pete how can people be in touch with you across the subspace uh audio network maybe let's start with twitter you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-l-r-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r 12,372 followers can't be wrong and while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek, all one word with the P and the H, like it today. For those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we will be back on Saturday to talk Discovery episode 410. Uh, if you're here just for Picard, we'll see you on the... Uh, 6th of March, that is the Sunday, the first Sunday, uh, because Picard, we're going to be podcasting on Sundays, Discovery Saturdays, Picard Sundays, starting in March. Uh, for now, though, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Talk to you soon.